Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. Uh, it's episode 12 and it is the last episode of 2019. In fact, it's actually the last episode of the decade. I mean, we've only started it this year, so that's really not that impressive. But still, we're coming to the end of a decade. Um, it's a little odd because uh, it's been a crazy, crazy decade filled with some insane uh developments both you know in the car world and outside of the car world it's been a really wild wild decade so it's really going to be interesting to see what 2020 has to bring uh, both in terms of cars and otherwise uh, but I want to get started um, right on that note because it is you know the end of 2019 and we kind of it's always good to just look back on the year and see what cars we drove and kind of the experiences we had because let's face it uh, you know, us at BMW Blog and every other car journalist, we have a crazy cool job. You know, we, we get to do some really cool things, drive some really cool cars in really cool places and meet some really cool people. So we have probably one of the cooler jobs on the planet. So it's always good to look back on the year and kind of just just look at it, you know, from 30,000 feet, you know, kind of just look down on it and see what we did and kind of appreciate the year as a whole. And, um, one of the articles we wrote this week uh, talked about that, and it's what what's the best car we drove in 2019. Um, and all of us at BMW Blog kind of wrote what you know, a little blurb about which car was our favorite car we drove in 2019, BMW or otherwise. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm alone right now, so I can't really speak for everyone else. You should go read that article. It's up on, uh, it's live right now. Um, but the car that, I mean, I've talked about it before, but the car that really stood out in my mind for 2019 was the classic Mini Cooper. I talked about this recently, and I've talked about it, you know, a million times since. But um, back in Monterey Car Week, you know, BMW flew me out. I got to drive the 1965. Uh, it was a Morris Mini Cooper S, and it was just such an incredible car. It, like, taught me what it really means to drive a pure, pure sports car. Because until then, I'd only driven cars from the 80s or newer. You know, uh, so something driving something from 1965 was really, really interesting to me. And especially, not even just something that old, but the Mini Cooper in general. Like, when you compare it to modern cars, it just, there's no, there's just no comparison. The, the classic Mini has just so much tactile feel, and it's just such a brilliant little piece of engineering that it kind of makes modern cars as amazing as they are, but it kind of makes them seem just boring. And I know that that sounds maybe jaded or cynical, but it's just that they're just boring by comparison. I mean, even crazy fast, really impressive like supercars, they just don't do it for me anymore. Uh, you know, I want something that old. I want something that delicate. I want something that tactile, something that gives me all that fe- that feedback, all that, that feel. You know, uh, driving the Mini Cooper at 20 miles an hour is more exciting than driving an 8 Series at, you know, 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. It's just... It's just so much more in, intoxicating. It, it, I think that's the best word I can use to describe it. Is it's intoxicating, you know. It's just a, a wonderful little machine, and it's absolutely my standout for 2019. And I drove some pretty cool cars last year. I drove some really impressive stuff, you know. I made competitions and all sorts of stuff. You know, M5s, just just really really impressive cars. But nothing stands up to the Mini, honestly. You know, I'm actually I have a. M850i Grand Coupe press car right now, like, in, you know, sitting in front of my house, and, I mean, it's a great car, 
but I throw it in the garbage for a Mini Cooper, for the classic Mini Cooper. You know, it's just, there's just no comparison to how it feels to drive something that pure. You know, it, it was just a fantastic experience. And I guess I might be looking at it through, you know, rose-tinted specs because I got to drive it, you know, in Monterey, during Monterey Car Week, you know, through some gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. Uh, it, was, it was just a pretty incredible day, you know, a, a part of a pretty incredible week, to be honest with you. And it was just, and even still, though, as incredible as that those few days were in Monterey, seeing some of the most incredible cars on Earth, um, even even as amazing as all that was, my highlight of that trip was probably the Mini, driving the Mini. Because to me, seeing cars is great. You know, looking at cars like, I saw like a bunch of Bugatti EB110s. I mean, cars I've adored for years and years and years that I've always wanted to see in person. You know, Pagani Zondas and all sorts of stuff. Um, seeing them in person is wonderful. But for me, I'm, I'm a visceral kind of guy. I want, to, I want to touch things. I want to drive things. You know, and so the, driving that Mini was more exciting to me than... The, like seeing all the crazy rare hypercars and pre-war Bentleys and McLarens and you know all that stuff to me driving a little mini was more enjoyable and it was the highlight of my trip because I do like to I'm a hands-on guy I want to I want to touch things I want to see things I want to ex- actually physically experience cars rather than just look at them so for me that was my highlight of the trip but I have to say that trip as a whole was probably the highly like, automotive highlight of my year you know, in general, because it was just incredible to, to go to Monterey. And I, I want to thank BMW again, if you're listening, for uh, for bringing me out to Pebble Beach, because that was a pretty incredible experience. But we all had pretty good, you know, automotive experiences this year. I know Horacio, his favorite was the, uh, his favorite car that he drove in 2019 was the M8 Competition Coupe. And, you know, it's a great car. That's a really great car. I drove that as well. I drove it on track. And uh, it's a it's a really really exciting car, crazy brutally fast. So that's a great choice too. You know, Gabriel picked the uh, Rolls Royce Cullinan. Really interesting car. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the year, uh, but it's a very 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 interesting car. I drove that as well. I drove the Black Badge. Uh, actually, I drove both. I drove the Black Badge and the regular Cullinan um, this year. So that was interesting. It, really, <laughs> really luxurious car. Um, kind of wild in like a odd way it's just it's so unbelievably luxurious but at the same time like you know it's really capable off-road and there's something really strange about that it's 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 bizarre it does have one feature that i think is one of the coolest things i've ever seen the the partition behind the rear seats if you can get you can get an option where there's like a glass partition between the rear seats and the rear cargo area like the, the rear trunk so that if you know you're sitting in the back seat and your butler opens the trunk, cold air doesn't touch the back of your neck. You're completely, you know, enclosed from the uh, the elements, even if the trunk is open, which is, is unique. To, I, I don't think there's a single other SUV on the planet that does that, so that's that's pretty uh, interesting. So that, that's a cool car, too. Um, truck Chuck drove the um, M5 competition in Germany, so that was really cool. Uh, so we all got to do some really cool stuff this year. And 2020 is just going to be more exciting. You know, more interesting cars are going to be coming uh, from BMW in the coming years. So it's just going to get better from here. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. And it it was a great year that caps off a a very wild decade. And, you know, uh, we're all really excited for what's next, you know, the decade to come. Speaking of which, though, we want to look back even further 
and kind of talk about what the best BMW was of the decade. Now, this is an interesting topic because um, the the line that was drawn is, you know, 2010 to 2019, but, like, some cars were on sale in those years, but they didn't debut uh, in this decade. They debuted in the decade prior, and, you know, so they don't count. So cars like the E92 M3, even though it was a brilliant car and was sold in this decade, it didn't debut in this decade. So that's kind of, we drew the line there and kind of kept any uh, BMW that was made, you know, prior to the 20 teens, I guess we can call them. Uh, we kind of kept those BMWs out of there. So it was, it was a bit challenging to pick the best of this decade. And, you know, we came up with a few choices and, you know, some commenters came up with a few choices as well. So it was pretty interesting to see what people felt about what the best BMW of the decade was. And what's really interesting is where people took it. You know, did you do you think that the best BMW of the decade is you know the new M or the new M2 CS because it's the sharpest, most you know dynamic handling BMW, or is it the i3 because it's the most important BMW of the decade? So it's interesting to see how people kind of viewed the best BMW because let's be real, there's no such thing as the best at anything in the automotive world because you know like the best at what. The best handling, the fastest, the most practical, the most, the best off-road. I mean, it's kind of impossible to pick a best car, per se, but it was still interesting to see where people went, which direction people took uh, when they were considering their best BMW. Um, personally, I, I picked three. I kind of picked three to choose from from there, and then I guess we could all discuss and you know maybe pick one. But to me, I think the three best were the, the new F90 M5, I think has to be on the short list of cars to be considered the best of the decade because it's just its breadth of ability is incredible. It's astonishing what it can do, uh, how much it can do, and how well it does everything. You know, it doesn't really do anything poorly. You know, typically, not only that, it's incredible. It's astonishing at, at many things. You know, typically a jack of all trades is inherently compromised in the sense that it's not great at one thing. It's just okay at everything. It can do everything well but it doesn't stand out in any one area. Whereas the F90 M5, not only is it fantastic at almost everything it does, but it's like a brilliantly fast car. I mean, it is crazy. 0-60, it can do in under three seconds in the right conditions. It's, a, it's remarkable. It's also very dynamic. It handles extremely well. It's fun to drive. It looks good. It's comfortable. Uh, you know, it seats five. It has a big trunk. Um, it has great interior technology. It, it's a great car. It's an incredible everyday car. It's all-wheel drive now, so you can drive it in you know relatively bad weather with the right tires. You know, it, it's an M car that is thrilling, uh, brutally fast, and also practical and usable every day in all sorts of you know climates. So, to me, it's a car that is a massive, massive achievement. Uh, you know, it was knocked a lot. Uh, prior to its release by BMW fans thinking, oh, it's going to be it's all-wheel drive, so it's going to be, you know, crap. It's not going to be as engaging as any M5 prior, but it, that's nonsense because now that it's here, we know it's a brilliant, brilliant machine. And what an achievement by BMW. Um, really is remarkable. So I think that's important. And also, it's important for the brand. It, you know, it, it moves the M division into a new era. It's the first all-wheel drive M car. You know, if you exclude SUVs, it's the, it's the first all-wheel drive M car. And not only that, but it's an all-wheel drive M5 that can be switched to rear-wheel drive. A flick of a switch or a t push of a button switches it to a rear-wheel drive tire-shredding monster. So it's this crazy technological marvel. 
and that just can't be overlooked, you know. So it moves the M division into a new new era, while also being an astonishing car on its own, you know. Just as a car, it's fantastic. So it's both incredible to drive and it's important to the brand. So I think that absolutely must be on the short list of the best BMWs of this decade, um, absolutely without question. Another one that I thought was important, or not maybe not important, but the best. Um, is the BMW 1 Series M. It's kind of forgotten that it's of this decade because it's such an old-school car, and it was made in such a limited run, but it came out in 2011, so it's technically part of this decade. And, you know, it's one of the best-driving BMWs of the modern era. It's probably the best-driving BMW of this decade. You know, it has, still has that old-school hydraulic power steering where you get all the feels. You know, it, it completely shames modern BMWs in terms of steering. It's so much better. In terms of steering precision, feel, you know, feedback, confidence, you, you just know what the front end's going to do because it has that old school 1 Series, you know, hydraulic steering. And not only that, but it's got this like short wheelbase and it's got a ton of power. It has like kind of an old school feel to it. It just feels like a proper M car from like the heyday of BMW M cars. Uh, but it's not really that old. Like I said, 2011. So it's of this decade. Uh, and I think that's a really cool. It's just really cool to remember that it is that modern because it feels more old school than that. And it's sort of the last bastion of pure M cars, right? Like it's it's the last one. It's the last one with power, uh, hydraulic power steering. Um, you know, it's it doesn't have a proper M engine, but it's still great. You know, it's a pure little driver's car and it's really the last one because even the M2 is pretty high tech and is pretty, you know, I don't want to say numb because that, that's not really fair, but you know, by comparison, it is sort of numb. You know, by comparison, its steering is pretty vague, and that's you know kind of disappointing. I mean, it's still a great car. Don't get me wrong, the M2 is a brilliant car, but like when you compare it to the 1M, it's just not as crisp. It doesn't have that magic, you know, that BMW M magic that you know M cars used to have. And I think the 1 Series M is that last stand for pure M cars. So I think that's really important. Um, it's going to be great to look back on. And it's just an incredible driver's car. You know, Horacio has one, and he says he'll never sell it. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. You know, that he'll never sell a car because it's just so good to drive. And, like, what's he going to get that's better? You know, you're not going to get a modern car that gives you more tactile feedback. Maybe in Europe you can get the Alpine A110. That's pretty much it. But we don't have that here in America, and that's where he lives. So, you know... It, that's that's really hit you know what's he gonna get that's newer that's better than the 1m so why sell it and i think that just that statement alone puts it on the short list of the best bmws of this decade because it's such a good car that even a big bmw fan doesn't want to get rid of it for the newer model like he's not gonna i actually remember when the m2 first came out Hiroshi was debating on whether or not he should sell his 1m and buy an m2 then he drove the m2 went nope Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> nah, not selling it. No way. And I think that's I think that's really important. You know, BMW came out with a newer model that's supposed to be new and improved in every way. And yes, it's faster. The M2 is way faster. It's way more capable on track. You know, it's going to be the better car on paper. And objectively, it's the better sports car. But just as a, you know, a fun car to drive, something that gets you excited when you get to take it out, you know, on the weekends and play with it. The 1M is the better machine. It's just the more special thing to drive, to own. It's just more special. And it's probably the most special M car of the decade, too. I don't think BMW's made a car since that really feels that special. I mean, maybe the M2 CS, maybe. 
but uh, I don't know. The One Series M is just a really special thing, and also it has a great story, you know? It was kind of made, not necessarily in secret, but, you know, the board didn't approve it right away, and it was kind of this, you know, was it going to be made sort of project, and, you know, BMW M engineers really fought hard to get it made, and, you know, the BMW corporate, the, you know, the board, the brass, the, you know, the pencil pushers, they didn't want the car, they didn't think it was going to be a, a wise decision, but, you know, some really passionate people within BMW really pushed it hard, and they got it, and, you know, what, what came about was one of the best cars BMWs made in the modern era. So it's such a cool, has a cool story. It looks great. It drives great, and uh, and also it's it's appreciating. So it's a car that's going to be valuable, you know, more valuable as time goes on. It's going to just continue to appreciate. So that that counts for something as well. So I think that the one series M definitely needs to be on this list because it's kind of a modern legend. It really is. And lastly, I think a car that deserves maybe the most consideration for the best BMW of the decade is the i3. And that doesn't drive a lot of enthusiasts wild because it's not really that exciting as a you know sports car. It isn't a sports car. It's a tiny little electric hatch. Damn it! It's a tiny little electric hatchback. But you know it's it's a really 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 important car for BMW. It was the first fully electric production car BMW ever made. Um, it was the what I mean, it still is the only carbon fiber constructed rear-wheel drive electric car on sale and you know it, it's just what an interesting car in 2014 it came out and it was carbon fiber construction you know the whole chassis is made of carbon fiber reinforced plastic and when that first came out people it was it was mind-blowing i mean it was really really incredible what an achievement it was and it was all electric it was rear-wheel drive which is just so cool for an electric car the interior is still one of the best interiors on the market. It's just so good looking and weird and different and futuristic and the materials are excellent. The design is fantastic. The tech is a little behind, but still the rest of it is just wonderful. It's just a, just a fantastic little car. It's great to drive. You know, it has this like nippy kind of silly fun, you know, character to it. it, it it's, it's an electric car with character and that's odd. I've autocrossed i3s's before and it's surprisingly fun you know it's a car that makes you laugh it's a car that makes you smile and that's important and you know when you combine the fact that it's actually fun to drive with the fact that when it came out it really was revolutionary it has to be considered as one of the best bmws of the decade if not the very best one now i think the only knock against it really is the fact that bmw hasn't really done anything with it since like sure they've added some range you know, it's up to like, you know, 120, 130 miles of range now. Um, but then that's pretty good. But that's not that much more than like the 80 something miles of range it came with when it first came out. And then if you think back, I mean, 2014, 80 miles of range wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great either then. Like it wasn't very good. And now 80 miles of range is basically pathetic when you look at, you know, modern cars now. Like, you know, a few electric cars are getting 300 miles of range. You know, so 80 miles seems downright just laughable now. Uh, and that was only five years ago, you know, or six years ago. It's going to be 2020 in a few days. But it's kind of crazy to me that BMW really just slowed down. You know, when it came to making the i3, they didn't really give it many updates. Um, the battery stayed, I mean, even today. Yeah, sure, it's got like, you know, 120, 130 miles of range. But that's not bad, but that's not good either. You know, there's so many electric cars with much, much more that are cheaper. The Chevy Bolt does over 200 miles of range, and it's cheaper. You know, so, like, I don't, it's kind of upsetting that BMW slowed down. 
you know, they took their foot off the gas, so to speak, you know, pardon the pun, but they took their foot off the gas when it comes to the i3, and it's so disappointing because it has so much potential. You know, if it had a bigger battery or just a more, you know, higher density battery, like, sure, it'd be heavier, so it might not be as agile or as nippy, but it would have more range, and it's just like, why? Why did they slow down so much? You know, there, there's so much potential there, and they just kind of didn't reach it, I feel like. And BMW knows it. BMW is fully aware that the i3 isn't doing as well as it could have. And I don't, know, I don't know if they're disappointed with it, but they're certainly aware that it hasn't been the success they hoped it would be. And that it's not the success that it absolutely could have been. You know, it has the potential to be, at least had the potential, to be an incredible electric car. But it just, it's, you know, it's not in keeping with the best of the electric cars in the market today. However... When it came out in 2014, it really was revolutionary. It was mind-blowing when it came out. And I think BMW deserves a lot of credit for that. They, de they deserve a lot of credit for kind of showing the world that a mainstream automaker could come out with a funky electric car that really kind of changes the way people looked at electric cars. And I want to kind of go back to a few weeks ago. I was talking about how Chris Harris was actually complaining that automakers don't lead anymore. They kind of just follow trends and copycat whatever everyone else is doing and just kind of you know find out what customers want to buy and just make that they don't actually lead the industry anymore they don't you know lead the direction of where the, the automobile is going anymore but the i3 kind of did you know that was what's so great about the i3 is it kind of they bmw ventured out into a new direction they ventured out into uncharted waters you know making a car out of carbon fiber for that price and you know giving it a rear wheel drive electric powertrain like it, what a wild concept of a car in the interior, you know, as funky as it is and how crazy it looks. You know, BMW really took a big step there. And that might be a big part of the reason why, you know, BMW didn't follow through with it too much is because it was such a radical change. It was such a wild car that customers didn't really love it. You know, it wasn't, it didn't sell very well at first. You know, it still doesn't sell very well, but it didn't sell, it really didn't sell well at first. And, you know, BMW think got cold feet a little bit. They said, all right, we tried something new. It didn't really work out sales-wise, so let's maybe back off and go back to selling what people want. So while BMW deserves a little bit of, uh, I don't know, maybe some criticism for that, they still deserve a lot of credit for coming out with the i3 in the first place and bringing something to market that really changed the idea of what an electric car could be. So those are my top three choices for the best BMW of the decade. If I had to pick one, though... I think it would still be the M5 because the i3, while it changed the game for electric cars, it only did so for like a minute, you know, and then everyone else caught up and now the i3 is kind of old news. Whereas I think the F90 M5 has really changed the M division for the future. Not only is it an incredible car to drive, you know, it's it actually changed what the M division is going to be like moving forward. You know, even the new M3 is going to be all-wheel drive. I think it was an experimental thing, too. I think BMW really tested the waters with an all-wheel drive M5, and it turned out to be fantastic. So now the M8 is all-wheel drive. You're going to have an all-wheel drive M3, and I think all-wheel drive is going to be a big part of the M division moving forward. And then, you know, that's going to... I think that was also kind of a breakthrough because M fans were kind of notoriously stuck in the past, but now I think M fans are starting to realize, okay... BMW M can make impressive high-tech cars. They can make cars with crazy new technology and that, that are still really, really fun to drive. So I think not only is it a great car, but it kind of broke the mold a little bit. It kind of showed 
uh, M fans that BMW M could move into the future of new technologies and still deliver, still make cars that were brilliant to drive. So I think the M5 to me, the F90 M5 to me, is the best BMW of the 20 teens. It's the best BMW of this decade, uh, in my personal opinion. But, you know, I know there are a lot of different opinions, and, you know, not, they're not necessarily wrong. I'm not necessarily right. It's just, I think that one is the most, not only, because not only is it astonishing to drive and fantastic to own, but it's just, you know, it's it broke the mold. It's changing the BMW, uh, the M division forever. You know, it's, it's really, really important car. And speaking of, you know, changing their ways, uh, this is an interesting year for BMW as well, because front wheel drive is more prominent in BMWs now. Now, BMWs had a, a couple of front wheel drive cars for a few years. Uh, in fact, uh, my first ever press trip was to test the first ever front wheel drive based BMW to be sold in America. And that was the X1. And that was back in 2016. So, you know, BMWs had front wheel drive cars for a while now, but it's sort of leaning into it. You know, it's really sort of leaning into the idea that, you know, it can sell front wheel drive sports cars, not just little crossovers. So you have the new 1 Series, which is front wheel drive, and the new 2 Series Grand Coupe. And both are front wheel drive sports cars, basically. You know, the 1 Series is a sporty hatchback, and the 2 Series Grand Coupe is like a sporty sedan. So maybe they're not all out sports cars, but they're sporty little fun cars to drive. And that's kind of making a lot of BMW fans nuts. There are many BMW fans who just completely disagree with all of us journalists who think that those cars are actually not bad to drive. You know, I drove the 2 Series Grand Coupe, and it's pretty good. I actually even drove it on track, and it was surprisingly fun to drive. It's not brilliant, it's not amazing to drive. It wouldn't be my first choice, but it's it's a surprisingly fun little car. And I think that when it comes to drivetrain choices, rear-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, you know, obviously rear-wheel drive is the purest choice. You know, it's the most balanced, it feels the best, you know, you can control the throttle, you can control the, the back end with your right foot, you know, it's more... You know, it's definitely the driver's choice, but it doesn't mean other drivetrains are bad. It doesn't mean that you know other cars can't be fun to drive. And I think that BMW, something I've noticed actually over the years writing for BMW blog is the fact that sometimes, and this might offend, but sometimes BMW fans can be snobs. You know, BMW fans tend to think that any other kind of car that isn't a rear-wheel drive, manual, front-engine, you know, six-cylinder BMW is crap. And to be honest, that opinion is crap there's there are so many fantastic cars to drive that are front wheel drive or all wheel drive you know so many fantastic cars to drive and it's been that way throughout history it's not even just modern cars i mean there have been some incredible front wheel drive cars and you know just look back at history so let's take a look at some of the classic ones the volkswagen gti is the first one that comes to everyone's mind because it's probably the best all-round hot hatch of all time you know any generation you just look through the history of it it's the best. It kind of started the the everyday hot hatch. I mean, it didn't really start it, but it made it popular. And, you know, ever since, it's been like the go-to hot hatch. And the, for everything from the first gen to the current GTI is a brilliant driving car. They're fantastic. In fact, this might not be a popular opinion among BMW fans, but whenever someone asks me, because as a car journalist, anytime someone know, finds out you're a car journalist, the first question they ask is, well, what's the best car? You know, and it's a ridiculous question because obviously there isn't a best car. But if I had to choose one car that really is just the best bang for your buck car, like just dollar for dollar, pound for pound, what is the best car in sale? It's always the GTI. Always. For under 30 grand, you get a car that's fantastic fun to drive, surprisingly quick, 
practical, spacious, uh, comfortable, you know, good on gas, relatively reliable. It's just there's there's nothing it does poorly. There's nothing it does, you know, even kind of poorly. It's great at everything it does. So you know, if people think that front-wheel drive cars can't be good. Just look at the GTI. It's an astonishing thing. Uh, it's a wonderful car. I'd buy one right now. You know, it's it's a fantastic car. But the GTI isn't alone. I mean, there are some great, great, great cars. Uh, you know, even older front-wheel drive cars. Not even just modern stuff. You know, things like the the Peugeot 205 GTI. You know, I don't have one myself, but it, or I've never driven one myself. But you know, from what I understand from people I do know that have driven it, it's like legendary to drive. You know, it's a fantastic little hot hatch um there's actually one of my favorite videos is from chris harris ironically enough and he drives his own peugeot 205 rally up against the uh porsche 911 r and he comes away really loving the, the peugeot compared to a 911 you know it, you can have great driving experiences out of front wheel drive but it's not just old classics i mean there are modern front wheel drive cars that are brilliant to drive i mean the, take the gti the Mark 7 GTI is wonderful. What a wonderful car. You know, as a daily driver, you know, as a daily sports car, it doesn't really get much better than the GTI. You know, what a fantastic machine. Then you have the Honda Civic Type R. I mean, that that's an astonishing little thing. It's crazy quick. It has ridiculous levels of grip for a front-wheel drive car. You know, it can lap tracks faster than some rear-wheel drive sports cars. It's a crazy car. You know, it looks insane. Uh, it looks a little ridiculous, to be honest with you, but... You know, really, really, really fun car to drive. And then the new Hyundai Veloster N. I mean, that car just won Road and Tracks Performance Car of the Year over McLarens and Porsches and all sorts of stuff. You know, that, that it's a fantastic car. Everyone that's driving it says it's wonderful. And ironically enough, the Veloster N uh, is actually was developed by Albert Bierman, former CEO of BMW M, who now runs Hyundai's N division. Get it? He used to be at M, now he's at N. It's kind of fun. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so that car is great to drive. I, you know, oddly, I'm trying to get one on test so I can test it for real, and I can't wait. It's something I'm like super excited. I'm really hoping Hyundai pulls through and lets me borrow one, because it just seems like it's such a fun little car to drive. A little hot hatch with a you know six-speed manual seems like a riot. You know, I can't wait to drive that. So it kind of bothers me when we read about some of the new BMWs, like the one series and the two series, and people completely dismiss them because they're front-wheel drive. Now, I will say. They're not incredible cars. They're they're pretty good. They're not bad at all, actually. You know, I enjoy driving the 2 Series Grand Coupe. I would like to drive the M135i hot hatch. I think that I think they're probably really good daily drivers. Um, and they have been criticized for being a little bit too numb. You know, maybe not the most exciting sports cars on earth, but that's has nothing to do with their drivetrain. That's just the way BMW made them. You know, front-wheel drive cars can be great. Uh, so it kind of bothers me when some BMW fans are a bit snobbish about that whole thing. You know, there are some really, really good front-driven cars, and I think that BMW should explore it more. I'm, I'm being completely honest. I think BMW should develop more front-wheel drive sports cars and, you know, kind of go a little crazy with it. Maybe not make a full-on M car. I mean, I think it'd be cool, actually, if they made, like, a full-on, you know, front-wheel drive M car. I think that actually would be pretty exciting. It won't happen, but I think it would be a good idea. But even if they don't make a full-on M car, maybe make, like, a sp even sportier version of the M135i, or, you know, kind of make it lighter, you know, make it a little bit more engaging, kind of take some of the glue out of it, you know, take some of the uh, the sticky numbness out of it, and, you know, kind of just make something really thrilling. I think BMW can, because the chassis is there, you know, you drive their, their front-wheel drive-based cars, I know both the M135i and M235i are, you know, all-wheel drive, but 
they use Haldex, so they're basically front-wheel drive almost all the time. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is that BMW has the chassis capability to make a good front-driven car. If you drive those cars, you realize, okay, this is a capable chassis. This is a good car. You know, it can be really fun to drive. It just needs a little more, you know, steering feel. I mean, not really much feel because nowadays really no car has great steering feel, but, you know, just a little bit more sensation of what's going on. Give me a little bit more because they're pretty numb cars. So I think if BMW does that, they've got I think they got a smash hit on their hands as a sports car. I think BMW M could really you know help those little those two cars out a lot and make something really fun to drive. In my honest opinion, ditch the all-wheel drive system, just make it front-wheel drive, and you know have have a fun little car. I, th- I think it'd be great. So I know a lot of uh, BMW fans are down on front-driven cars, but I I don't think they should be. I think it's snobbish. I think it's I think it's also um you know ignorant to the automotive world i mean if you, you look back there are some really amazing cars that are front driven you know i just named quite a few examples you know so not only is it snobbish but it's just inaccurate to think that front driven cars can't be you know really great driver's cars so that's my that's my hot take of the week um but yeah so that wraps up uh, episode 12 of the podcast but um you know it's been really fun making it so far this wraps up 2019 so you know, the next episode is going to be in 2020, which is pretty exciting. Um, and, you know, I hope that everyone had a good year. And I hope that everyone's really excited looking forward to the next year. Because I know we are. A lot of new, uh, interesting experiences we're going to be having this coming year. And, uh, you know, I hope you keep listening to the podcast. And it's only going to grow from here. You know, we're only going to do more cool things from here. So, uh, you know, have a happy new year. Uh, have some fun. Don't drink too heavily. You know, have have some safe fun. Uh, and, yeah. Get excited for 2020, and we'll see you next week.